Let's pray for this message. Father God, we love you, we praise you, we glorify in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. <clears throat> God, as I have prepared this message, Lord, I pray that you would get me out of the way and that you would speak directly to your people. God, I believe that you've got people listening to this online, live right now for a reason. You've got people here for a reason. You've got people outside on the radio station for a reason. God, let them know and believe that this message was directly to them. They're here to hear this message. God, let it go deep down to their spirits, mine included. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. We're still in the Beatitude, or not the Beatitude, we're still in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is speaking to these people, and, and whenever Jesus speaks, there's always a cultural context to what he's saying, which isn't to say it doesn't apply to us today. There's just a cultural context that this is going on during that time. And so what was going on at this time is that the, the Jewish people were making oaths based on certain things, and they would make a promise, and they would say, well, uh, I, I promise you this uh, on the earth, or on the temple, or on Jerusalem, or on on God. And then what would happen is that they that the Jews had stack ranked all these things as some being more important and some things being less important. So if you made a promise or an oath based on uh, God, that was more important than Jerusalem. That was more important, or the temple that was more important than the Jerusalem, more important than your family or whatever. And and so they would make these vows, knowing full well that they would probably end up breaking them because they had not sworn by God. They had just sworn by the temple or whatever. So it kind of gave them an out so that they wouldn't really have to keep their vows. Now, <clears throat> this this discourse is not a, a, a time when Jesus is saying that we shouldn't take oaths or we shouldn't make vows. He's just saying like, let your words be your words. Just if you're going to say yes, mean yes. If you're going to say no, going to be no. Now, for many of you, you probably experienced this in your life, that people will make a vow to you and they say, yeah, I'm going to do it. Like, are you like, dude, I promise you on the Bible, I'm going to do this, right? And then if not, that's on a stack of Bibles. Like I promise... On my mama's eyes, like I'm, I'm, this is for real. On my children, on, on my grandmama's grave, like people say these types of things to try to make it seem like it's not just enough to say yes, or it's not just enough to say like, okay, and this is going to be, a, they have to like make it that much more, uh, uh, I don't know, important. And Jesus says, you know what? Don't, don't do that. Okay. Don't do that at all. If, if you have to do more than that, it's of the evil one. If you don't know the evil one, that's Satan. So it's like Satanism or just say what you're going to say and mean what you're going to say. And, and, and don't, don't be a liar. Like that's, that's really what Jesus is getting as the, the crux of it is that if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, if you're going to be a, a, a person that follows Jesus, you have to be a person that tells the truth. If you're not going to tell the truth, you're, you're not going to be a good follower of Jesus. Verse 37, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one, from the evil one. 
Now, for clarification, some Christians use this as a defense to say, well, we, we shouldn't take any oaths for every, anything. And that's not the point. Like, you, you can take an oath to something and it's not going to, like, if you have to be in a court of law or you join the military or whatever, like, there's, that's not the point. This scripture is not about not taking oaths to do something. It's about being a man of your word and not making promises that you try to get out of because of how you made the promise. It's about being a person of truth. Now, would you indulge me for a minute? Could you imagine living in a time where the truth had to be explained? Wouldn't that be odd? Like that truth wasn't commonplace and that, you know, that I mean, it would be difficult or weird to live in a time like that uh, to think that the truth actually had to be explained, that basic fundamental truths about the human condition had to be defended. What a, what a weird time to live in for sure. As, as I was preparing this sermon, I was drawn to Jeremiah chapter nine, and we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter nine for a little bit before we get back into the scriptures. And what was happening in Jeremiah during this time is that Jeremiah was a prophet. And so Jeremiah was meant to speak to the nation of Israel. And so the nation of Israel is going through a bunch of issues during this time. Judah had been exiled. And so God was speaking through Jeremiah to get Israel back on track. Israel had lost its way. The the nation was no longer prospering. The, The nation was no longer occupying the land that they were supposed to occupy. Their society was in ruins. Now, if you read through Jeremiah, there's many reasons why Israel had lost his way, many reasons why Judah lost his way. But a central theme that we find in Jeremiah chapter 9 of why Israel had lost its way is because they had become a bunch of liars. Israel and Judah had become a bunch of liars. So we see this in Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 3 through 6. And this is Jeremiah prophesying to Judah and the nation of Israel. And he's saying this, And like their bow, they have bent their tongue for lies. They are not valiant for truth on the earth, for they proceed from evil to evil, and they do not know me, says the Lord. Everyone take heed to his neighbor and do not trust any brother, for every brother will utterly supplant, and every neighbor will walk with slanderers. Everyone will deceive his neighbor and will not speak the truth, They have taught their tongue to speak lies. They weary themselves to commit iniquity. Your dwelling place is in the midst of deceit. Through deceit, they refuse to know me, says the Lord. Do do you hear the the language of this scripture? The language, it, it says they have bent their tongue for lies. They are not valiant for the truth. Every neighbor will walk with slanderers. Everyone will deceive his neighbor and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies. It goes so far that to say they weary themselves to commit iniquity. It's actual work. They're working that hard to create lies. They're working that hard to create iniquity. They have become a bunch of liars. Now, here's what's true, that God does not change. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the Jesus of uh, Genesis is the Jesus of Revelation. The Jehovah of Exodus is the Jehovah of Philemon and everything in between. Here's what's also true is that America is not Israel. And if you believe that and you believe America is some sort of new Israel or whatever, like Dude, send that to sale. Like, it's not true. You've been sold a pack of lies. America is not Israel. It is not, will not, whatever. But we are a nation. 
We are a nation. And how God, we, here's the thing, because God doesn't change, we don't have to wonder what He is going to do because we can look at what He did. We, we can look at how God dealt with nations and then we can look at ourselves as a nation and say, okay, this, if God dealt with a nation this way, then God will deal with another nation this way. Because if you read throughout the Bible, God's intention was that nations would serve him. When, when God created Israel and he wanted to create a nation, he wanted to create a nation that would serve Yahweh, that would serve Jehovah God, so that all these other nations that bowed down to pagan gods would look at a blessed nation and say, that's, the, that's how we should live. We should live according to God's precepts, and we should live according to God's word, and then we will be a blessed nation. So we look at how God deals with nations, and we can look at how God's going to deal with our nation. America was founded on the principles of Christianity. It was. And if you don't believe that, you haven't read enough of, of, of history. And there's people that want to rewrite history, make it seem though it's not. And I, I'm not saying, and, and I shouldn't have to clarify this, but I'm not saying that America's perfect and we haven't had our blemishes and we haven't done wrong things. America's done some horrible, horrible things. And you've also done some horrible, horrible things. And I still love you and I'll still defend you as a human being. So just because a nation's done, there's never been a perfect nation. Not even Israel was perfect, okay? Bad things happen. But it's true that America was founded on the principles of Christianity, Christians came here to worship God freely. The, the things that we live underneath, the basic principles of common law and the basic principles of, of the, uh, the three branches of government, those are things that are from the Bible. The, the, the greatest civil rights movement has been the Christians that say the value in the image Deo, that, that every man is made in the image of God and that we all have value, equal value before God. That's a, that's a Christian perspective. America was founded on this. We have prospered as a nation because we've held to Christian ideals. But we are no longer a Christian nation or society. We just aren't. If you're holding on to this idea that somehow we're a Christian nation, you have not had your eyes open, man. We're not. We're no longer a Christian. It's never common. It's no longer commonplace. It's no longer the central theme to who we are as a nation. Uh, even when I was in Egypt, and many of you know I was deployed to Egypt in 2001. I was there for a year. <clears throat> And when I was stationed in Egypt for a year, um, I was able to befriend uh, Egyptian nationals and they're all Muslims. And um, what many people don't understand is that in the Muslim uh, Middle East world, that, that all of those people uh, see us as a Christian nation, or at least they used to. They looked at America and they think of us as Christians. That's why in 2002 through ongoing, when we went to Iraq and Afghanistan and stuff, they didn't view us as liberators uh, from their oppression. They didn't view, they, they literally, if you talk to a, a lot of those people, they viewed America as a Christian nation coming in as Christian crusaders to take down Muslims and convert people to Christianity. That's why they fought us because that's, that's how they viewed America. Now you take that even, and, and I was in Egypt during 9-11 and so it really opened up some uh, big conversations. When you talk to, when I talked to those guys back then, they would talk about how because they viewed America as a Christian nation, they would look at the movies and television and, and music that we would send out and judge us as a Christian nation based on the things that we're putting out and then view us as infidels because people that are supposed to be people of the book and people that are supposed to follow Jesus who they think is a prophet, they would think like, why are they putting out such disgusting, horrible things if they're supposed to be a Christian nation? Yeah. Yeah. 
So, so even other people that are outside of America view America as a Christian nation, even though America no longer views itself as a Christian nation. We've seen, uh, we, we were seen as a, a city on a hill, a, a beacon of light. We're seen as a Christian nation. Now, that was 20 years ago. Uh, Gallup uh, gave some interesting statistics. But between 1938 and 1998, and you can look this up. This is truth. Uh, church attendance was at 70% in America for 60 years. Now, church attendance is probably indicative of culture and values and beliefs. So for 60 years, it was, it was just kind of bouncing a little bit, 1% or 2% for 60 years. And then in 1998, from 1998 to now, it's plummeted 20%. Church attendance has plummeted 20% in the last 20 years. And so when I say that America has changed over the last 20 years, there's statistical evidence to prove... That, it, that it's the case. And so they, they break it down and they look at the traditionalists, the boomers, the Xers, and the millennials. And, and the, the, the numbers are even worse when you break it down like this because it goes like traditionalists, boomers, Xers, millennials. Church attendance is even worse. Overall, the whole entire thing is 20%, but you get down to the millennials and it's like 35% less people are attending church than 20 years ago. Don't tell me that America is a Christian nation because it's just not. We may have been founded on it. It's worth fighting for and it's worth standing up for, but we're, we're no longer a, a Christian nation. We're, we're just not. And so we, we have to live and breathe as living in a post-Christian nation. We just have to. You, you can't live with an expectation of, of Christianity. You just can't. So, so what's God going to do to a nation that forsakes him? Well, we can see what happened in Jeremiah chapter nine, uh, verses uh, what do we got? Seven through nine. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, I will refine them and try them. For how shall I deal with the daughter of my people? Their tongue is an arrow shot out. It speaks deceit. One speaks peaceably to his neighbor within his, with his mouth, but in his heart, he lies in wait. Shall I not punish them for these things? Says the Lord. Shall I not avenge myself? Excuse me, shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? Shall I not avenge myself on a nation such as this? Again, we're not Israel, but God does not bless any nation that doesn't bless him. You just don't see it. You don't see a nation that's blessed if they're not living for Yahweh. You just don't. People and nations cannot live against the truth and expect that God will bless them. You just can't. Living a life of lies, you as an individual, if you're living a life of lies, you cannot expect that God is going to bless you in your lies. You just can't. Being a liar, not keeping your word, changing your words, not speaking truth. And so if God's not going to bless you, God is not going to collectively bless a nation that's filled with a bunch of liars. It's just not going to happen. Now, Jeremiah is uh, nice enough here to explain to us how did they become a bunch of liars under judgment. He gives us a very clear indication in chapter 9, verses 13 and 14, which shows us how the nation of Israel became a bunch of liars. It says in verse 13, And the Lord said, Because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them, and have not obeyed my voice, nor walked according to it, but they have walked according to the dictates of their own hearts, and after the bales which their fathers taught them. Now I don't have time to get into the judgment, but I'll throw it in there. Behold, I will feed them, this people, with wormwood, and give them wall of gall to drink. 
I will scatter them amongst the Gentiles. I will send a sword after them until I have consumed them. We're not getting into the aftermath today. We're just talking about truth. But how did they become a bunch of liars under judgment? Because they, they, they turned away from God's law. They walked according to the dictates of their own law, uh, of their own hearts. They said, you know what? I don't care what God says. We're just going to pass laws that fulfill our own immorality. We're just going to, we're, we're going to outlaw immorality and make it lawful. And then everybody around won't feel any sense of judgment because we've just made it lawful to be able to do that, which is uh, against the word of God. We're just going to turn away from God and follow whatever our hearts want. We, as Americans, are living under God's judgment. We truly are. And and, and I will tell you that uh, people think that, you know, people just, with the whole Trump thing, like, oh, Trump's a King Cyrus, and, and he's a restrainer, and all these other things. Trump was the greatest judgment on America that we've ever seen. Now, did he do good things for the church and for Christians? Yeah, man, we got a few uh, Supreme Court justices, and he passed some good laws to protect the church, whatever. It's fine. But don't pretend for a moment that people t- send me this garbage of like, oh, I was in a private meeting with Trump, and he was talking in tongues, and he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? The dude is not a Christian at all. He may have helped Christians, but he wasn't a Christian. He's a, he's literally, we're, people are, we're looking in the mirror. A person that says they're a Christian, that quotes scripture, that goes to church, that holds a Bible and lives completely contrary to what the Bible says. It's judgment. We, we're the most narcissistic, self, self-grandiose, tweeting, full of ourselves, divorcing, pornography people that have ever existed. Americans consume more pornography than anybody else on the planet. And we have a president that's thrice divorced and, you know, owns a bunch of strip clubs or whatever in his casinos. And people say, well, he's a man of God, dude. He's not a man of God. Don't say that he is. He's God's judgment on America. And so was Obama. And so was Bush. And so was Clinton. And so is Biden. Don't pretend for a minute that we're living in some sort of Christian nation. All those dudes pass laws and do stuff against the word of God. People live in this Christian nationalist kind of mindset that thinks like, well, you know, my guy's in the office. Unless it's the pastor in chief, man. I ain't ain't signing off on none of it. Romans chapter one, he gave them over to shameful lust. We've been given over to what we wanted in the first place. We loved reality show until the chief reality show became our president. How did this happen? And if you're offended, good, good. Cause you, if you held any one of those people in higher regard than Jesus, you've got a heart problem. We've forsaken God's law and turned away. Evil is celebrated. Lies are accepted. Some people would say, well, you know, Pastor Matt, it seems like you've been talking a lot more about politics than you have in the past. Why? Because things have changed. Society at large, not, not just politicians are trying to fundamentally change how you think about life. They're not like it's movies and TVs and everything else. And what I'm trying to do as your pastor and your friend is I'm trying to encourage you to stay in the word of God. Hold the line. Don't don't acquiesce. Don't change what you believe. Don't go in another direction. Society, everything's going this way. Just fight it, man. Fight it. And I'm not being conspiratorial. Something that 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 doesn't need to be a lie is lied about. And then they want us to go along with their lies. If you don't believe that you haven't been lied to in the last 12 months, you are not paying attention. 
And I, I don't have time to go into the details, but small things to big things and everything in between. I don't know. Why can't they just treat us like adults? Why can't they just say, man, this is the data. We don't know, but this is our best guess. We're going to try this for a month. And if it doesn't work, we'll try something else. We're just as lost as you guys are. Instead of pontificating and say, well, you know, we did a study that was funded by people that need to sell a product. And it seems to be that this is what we need to do. You know, Pastor Todd said to me way back in March, just, no, I said, remember somewhere, somewhere, somebody's got a brother that's selling this stuff. He said, just remember. But it's not enough to tell funny stories during this season. It's just not. Your children, your friends, and your family are being indoctrinated against God. It's serious business. It's serious business. Like if you, if you do not pay attention, if you don't learn your Bible and, and, and get back to Orthodox Christianity, you are going to turn around and, and we've already turned around and saw what happens when a bunch of Christians sat around and believed aberrant theologies like the prosperity gospel and lost our nation. Uh, but now we're just looking like, Oh my gosh, this is my nation. You're going to turn around and look at your friends and your family and yourself and be like, how did I become this? Like, how did I, I've gone from believing truth to believing lies and, and then my kids have been something, become something that I never expected them to be because you, you acquiesce to what they were trying to do to you. Now, many churches have already succumbed to this and I will not let that happen on my watch. Not here. You may not like me and you may not want to be here and that's fine. I'll stand here and I'll preach to Crystal and a handful of other people that can take it. But you know what I mean? Yeah. You guys are like, where would you be? Good. Amen. We're there. But I know, I know you guys are with me, but like, uh, it's, it's hard being a guy that speaks the truth. It is. I've got other pastors that are just like, dude, what are you doing, man? I'm like, I don't know. Just reading the Bible and tell me what to do what it says. Like keeping my eyes open. I want to read you a quote. This is a quote. Someone else said this. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. The lie could be maintained only for such a time as the state can shield the people from the political, economic, and or military consequences of the lie. It thus becomes vitally important for the state to use all of its powers to repress dissent, for the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie. And thus, by extension, the truth is the greatest enemy of the state. Joseph Goebbels said that. Does anybody know who Joseph Goebbels is? Yeah, Joseph Goebbels. He was Adolf Hitler's manager of propaganda. So if you don't know, we don't have time to go into Adolf Hitler and what he did, but he had, he had a, he had a, 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 he had a master of propaganda that put out information to get people to think a certain way. And I'm going to read this to you again. I want you to think about who said this. The minister of propaganda for Nazi Germany said this. If you tell a lie big enough, and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. The lie can be maintained only for such a time as the state can shield the people from the political, economic, or military consequences of the lie. It thus becomes vitally important for the state, the government, to use all of its powers to repress dissent, for the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie, and thus by extension, the truth is the greatest enemy of the state. If it's a lie and it doesn't make any sense, why censor it? 
if it's so outlandish and nobody's going to be swayed by it, just let it run its course. People should be smart enough to be like, you know what? This isn't, this isn't truth, but instead you have to keep it away. Friend, there are lies being told to you through news, movies, television, books, school, and education. And what are these lies? They are lies that are anything contrary to the word of God. I am an extremist. I am radicalized. I am a zealot. I am all of those words when it comes to God's holy word. I am unwavering. I am unchanging. I am not going to acquiesce. I'm all of those things because this is my guidebook. This is, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to believe. Barna, George Barna did this study years ago and he was trying to figure out, uh, people's, uh, worldview. And so he asked, he, he's asking these questions about a Christian's, uh, a Christian worldview. And, and, and these are the questions that he asked to ask people if they had a Christian worldview. And the questions were, do absolute moral truths exist? Is absolute truth defined by the Bible? Did Jesus Christ live a sinless life? Is God the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe? And does he still rule today? Is salvation a gift from God that cannot be earned? Is Satan real? Does a Christian have a responsibility to share his or her faith in Christ with other people? Is the Bible accurate in all of its teachings? Pretty simple stuff, right? Only 9% of born-again Christians agreed to all of those statements. 9% of born-again Christians, people that call themselves evangelical, born-again Christians, only 9% of that group agreed with all of those statements. Now, I pray and hope that that number is a little bit higher at Old Faith and Victory Church. But, but if you see that with a large representative sample, you can see how much America is in disrepair for having a Christian worldview, which, which makes it even more important for us as Christians to defend truth. More important for us to speak truth. Do not capitulate to these lies. Do not acquiesce to their repeated attempts to sway you. Do, do not change the standards of morality uh, against the Bible. Don't do it. Do, do not allow them to undermine the truth of God's word. I mean, really what's happening is we're trying to change basic principles of humanity that have stood for thousands of years. And people, people think I'm some sort of uh, prejudiced, bigoted guy because I say these things verbally. I say them verbally because I want you to know that it's okay to say these things. I want you to, it's okay to say that transgenderism is wrong. It's a mental disorder. And my heart goes out to those people that have gender dysphoria. It's a, it's a, it's a mental disorder. But, but when you have the head of state saying it's okay and that you're going to be uh, put in jail for misgendering somebody and not calling them by their first name, I'm not saying you have to go out and be rude to these people. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, but, but I'm not going to acquiesce and all of a sudden because you've changed your laws and we don't want to treat things the way that they are, that I'm going to pretend that things aren't the way that they are. And I'm just using it as an example, but there's tons. I'm never going to sign off on abortion. I'm never going to sign off on gay marriage. I'm never going to sign off on saying that it's okay to steal something because of economic depression. I'm never going to say that every person doesn't deserve equal treatment under the law. I'm not going to say that. I mean, the idea of the image day of we're all made in the image of God comes from the Bible. And I believe that everybody has inherent value in God's eyes. And I'm going to defend that. I'm going to defend free speech. I'm going to defend all of these things. But if you don't watch it, they're going to tell, I mean, they're, 
I wish I had the time. And, 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 and I, and I wish that I could preach outside of the Bible and tell you what I really think, because that's what people don't understand. I just preach what God frees me to and what the Bible says. But if you really knew what I think, then I, we'd go. But I mean, literally we got people sitting in prison because they put, they posted a meme. Huh? I don't have free speech. I mean, it's okay if you're saying once again, once group, but this other group, and, and I don't agree with any of it. It's the reason why, like, we don't go and march against the coffee stand over here doing what they're doing. I think it's despicable. I think it's disgusting. I think everybody that goes there is a bunch of perverts. I really do. But I don't, I don't, I'm not going to go over there. Rah, rah, rah. It's like, dude, this is America. If you want to do that on your side of the street, I'm going to pray for your destruction. But let me say what I want to say on my side of the street. <laughs> it's America, man. It's how it works. Do your thing, do your thing, but you're not going to tell me what I can't say and what I have to believe. It's just not going to happen. So how do we fight it? We don't, we don't become liars ourselves. Don't become a liar. And we don't stop speaking the truth. If, if Israel turned away from God because they, they forsaken God's law and they turned away from God, they walked according to the dictates of their own hearts, they followed whatever heart that they wanted, then we don't do that by us keeping our word. And, and it seems simple. Like I, I said to Crystal during worship, I said, you know, it's so weird. Like, I feel like I just say really simple things. Just tell the truth, man. Like, let your yes be yes and your no be no. It's so good preaching. It's really good. Yeah. And it's the big stuff, right? It's being faithful to your spouse. It's paying your bills. It's working for your wage. Like, if you're getting paid to work a wage, man, earn your pay. Boom. Don't be that guy at work that everybody's talking about. Like, yeah, that guy that's always talking about Jesus. Man, then we can't get that guy to work. Shows up late, leaves early, and then he does a shap shoddy work. Don't be that guy. And it's the small stuff too. If, if you say, I'm going to be there, you can count on me. Trust me, I'd never do that. If you're going to do something, you do it and you don't look for a way out of it. Seems simple, man. But in this day and age, it seems like a, act of revolution to tell people to tell the truth at home, at church, at work, in your life, be a person that can be counted on by your simple word. Now me me and pastor Jay, we've been friends for like 30 years. And I'll tell you, if you don't, you know, most of y'all don't know him as well as I do. I know this dude, he's gold. He really is. man. He's too gold. And I'll tell you one of the things I love about Jay is that this dude, if he says he's going to do something, he does it to a fault. Like he does it so well, you start questioning your own salvation. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> Jay's, Jay's the type of guy that if, if Pastor Jay says he's going to be there, he's going to be there. And you don't have to remind him. He's not like, if it's like, hey, a month from now, I need this, whatever. He's like, yeah, dude. And he writes it down. And then like that day, you don't have to call him. You don't have to remind him. You don't have to text him. Like, hey, dude, are we still on? Like, you don't have to do that. Like, here comes Jay driving up. And he's just like... Right on, usually a few minutes early, he's like, hey, dude, what's up? What are we doing today? And like, that's just how he is. And even things that he, that he commits to that he hates, that he doesn't like, and I've watched him throughout his life and his career, that he's like, what am I going to do, man? I signed up for this. I'm going to do it. And I love that about you, but I don't like it about you because it just gnaws at my Because sometimes, I mean, honestly, sometimes I'm the guy that looking for the out. You know what I mean? Where are my people at? The sermon's for all of us. Be Pastor Jay, don't be Pastor Matt. James 5, 12, But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, 
lest you fall into judgment. Now that challenge of the scriptures is a challenge for us today. If we can't be people of our word, how are people going to believe anything else we're going to say? Like we don't keep our word. And then we tell someone, put your faith in God, live for Jesus. You can trust him. Like you're his emissary. Like you're his, you're the only, you're the only God. And now you can't even keep your word. I've never understood liars, man. Like what? Why not just say the truth? Why, why not just say what you mean? Like I, I've known some pretty good liars in my day from the men in my life that said they'd be there for me to the people that said that they'd show up and never did. People I've looked in their eyes and been like, dude, you are drunk. I'm like, no, I'm not drunk at all. I'm like, yeah, dude, you're totally drunk. Guys, I've looked in the eyes. I'm like, dude, you're not being faithful to your spouse. Like, oh, pastor, I've been so faithful. And then you come find out, dude, what a bunch of stinking liars. I, I don't, I don't understand. Like Crystal and I do this, you know, 17 years we've been ministering and I meet with couples, meet with individuals. And for whatever reason, they just want to live in these just perpetual lies. And sometimes it takes months to get to the bottom of it. Like, just lead with the problem. Like it's so much easier instead of like playing this game of cat and mouse where I'm trying to unpack it. Just start with there. Like this is the big problem instead of like waiting for months. Oh yeah, I've got this addiction or hey, there's this third person in the marriage or whatever. Like just tell the truth, man. It's so much easier. And I haven't learned much from my dad, but one of the things I did learn from my dad is my dad said, if you tell the truth, you never have to remember what you say. You know, my, my dad was a Seattle police officer. They literally created a job within my, for my dad at Seattle police because he wasn't really good at paperwork, but he was really good at thumping people. And so, um, <laughs> they created this position where he would literally, he had a squad car and he would just roam around the city and stop things. Like whether they were at bars or in the street, he would just, he literally like an enforcer. Uh, cause my dad was huge and like, there's a few things my dad was good at cigars, lifting weights and thumping people. Like this is my dad. <laughs> And, and so like sometimes his thumping would be a little bit harder than I guess they wanted. And so he'd always end up in some office. My dad's like, yeah, did you do this to this guy? And my dad like, yeah, I totally did. Why? Cause he deserved it. Like that's what I did. And they never knew what to do with my dad. Cause they were, they were used to guys trying to lie. And I was like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> well, don't do that anymore. Okay. You're gonna be a problem. That's why you're not going to do this anymore. I don't understand liars, man. They get caught in the lie and then they double down. Like, like you already got caught in the lie. Just say like, dude, you caught me, man. I was totally lying. <laughs> you know. I don't know why, man. The liars just give them a rush. It covers their inadequacies. It tries to get people to like them. I don't know. Maybe they think if they can hold on to this person long enough, they'll move from this lie. But I've seen it, man. In this church, I've seen it. There used to be uh, someone that attended this church years ago and and I remember they, and they were just cloaked in deceit and they had a business and they came in and they hired employees and then they disappeared and the employers were like, pastor, we didn't get paid. What happened to this guy? I'm like, I don't know, dude, he changed his phone, moved his way. I don't know anything. I have no contact with my, I mean, up to that point, he was an okay guy, but he'd go and do business for people in the church and leave it unfinished and get paid and not finished. And the people are like, why didn't you tell us? And I'm like, dude, I didn't know. Like this guy is like, oh, I thought he was a good Christian guy. Why do I say that? Is that, you know, that, that's just a bad witness for Christians, man. Like at the minimum, can the people in the church act like Christians? At the minimum, can we like, you know, treat at the least? You'd think that that would be at the least we can do that with each other. Now I'll tell you this little side note. There are Christian people to attend this church that you can trust to do business with. There is. Where's Jamie? Where's he at? Jamie, raise your hand. Dude. And some of you are like, well, I ain't shouting out my business. Why? Because you didn't install a toilet in my house. 
You know, and, I, and I'll tell you, man, Jamie's done some stuff for me. Cause like I told you guys, we moved, we got a new house and we're having to get a new bathroom for my mom. And this dude, like he's honest to a fault. And, uh, so the shower door, um, for my mom's bathroom, uh, he ordered it from, I won't, I don't like to call out businesses, you know what I mean? But it was an orange store. And, um, and, uh, uh, and so he ordered, he ordered this door and it showed up and it was broken and it took a long time to get this door. But every step of the way, he's like, pastor, it's on order. He's showing me, look, this is when I ordered it before we even got to the job. I promise you. And then he showed it. He's like, pastor, it's broken. He showed it. Look, it's broken. What am I? We'll order a new one. Then we ordered a new one. And then it was the wrong one. Push that out another month. And so, but, but my, my point is this, that every step of the way he communicated everything that was going on, he didn't like, well, you know, just pay me now and then we'll do whatever, whatever. He's like, he's just upfront and honest. Like I ordered it. It's broken. It's the wrong one. This is where we're at. Over communicated every part of it. So what does that make me do? Makes me trust him. Makes me trust him as a man. It makes me trust him as a friend, as a, as a, my, my, my contractor. We have a weird relationship. Sometimes, sometimes he comes to my house and calls me his client. That's what he, that's all I am now. I'm just a client. The point is this. Tell the truth, man. Tell the truth. Colossians 3, 9. Do not lie to one another since you put off the old man with his deeds. This applies in your business. Not if you even own a business, even in you incorporated. You're, you're the manager of your own business at your own job. So live your life in such a way that people can trust you, what you say. And, and uh, please, don't go out giving Jesus a bad name. We have enough bad press without you going out and making more work for Jesus. In Leviticus 19.11, you shall not steal nor deal falsely nor lie to one another. Because here's what happens. Here's what happens with a liar. In 1 Timothy 4.2, it says, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. What happens is when you live a life of lies, your, your mind actually becomes seared in such a way that you can't even discern truth from lies anymore. You, you, you literally hear truth and it bounces off of your head because your mind and your conscience has been seared and you no longer can discern truthful lies. And so if you're going down this pathway and you're just like, oh my gosh, dude, how do I get my mind right? Get your nose in the word of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Like get the word so deep inside of you that every time anything comes across, you'd be like, do you know what? That's against the Bible. I don't believe in that. I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to lie about it at all. Secondly, we do not forsake God's law and turn from him if we keep our vows to God. Now, I don't mean to stack rank them. I, I don't mind. I do mind. If you lie to me, you lie to me. It's whatever, right? I've been lied to my whole entire life. I'll get over it. But lying to God... Like, I don't want me to stand next to you. If that's how you're living your life, lying to God, like, you can lie to me. I'm not that smart. Like, I grew up in Ballard. Like, I'm not that smart. But but you cannot lie to God. He, he knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. He knows your intentions. But people do it all the time. Man, let your yes be yes to, to man, but also be your yes be yes to God as well. Let me show you what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 21 through 23. When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it, for the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and it would be a sin to you. So it's a sin to make a vow to God and not keep it. But if you abstain from vowing, it shall not be a sin to you. So if you don't make a vow, like you're better off. 
that that which has gone from your lips you shall keep and perform, for you voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God, which you have promised with your mouth. Nobody nobody makes your mouth move, but you made your mouth move. And then you made a vow to God, and then you want to go against your vow with God. Now, I know that for myself, there's been times when I've told God I wasn't going to do something, and then I did it again. Anybody else? Okay. So can we collectively agree that that's bad? It's wrong. God wasn't pleased with it. It's an abomination. God doesn't like that at all. I'm guessing he gets tired of hearing empty promises that aren't backed with action. He loves me and he forgives me and he's merciful with me and he's, oh, he's so patient with me. But I'm sure there's a part of God's heart that's like, son, come on. Like, just move in a different direction. Don't give me lip service. Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. I want to be a delight. I want to be a delight. I want God to look at me like, man, he is my delight, man. No deceits found in his mouth. He says the right things. Now, that, that, that's, that's like a, a lie that you say towards God, but there's a special type of liar that I want to talk about while we're talking about dirty, stinky liars. And those are people who lie to others and in process, take the Lord's name in vain. So not only are they lying to you, but they're bringing in the God lie inside of them to kind of become this super hyper-spiritual lying vortex um, where they're lying to you, but they're taking the Lord's name in vain while lying. And, and it's usually it's like hyper-spiritual type where they're like, I was in prayer and I was reading my Bible and the Lord spoke to me. And what he spoke to me was completely contrary to the scriptures. That's a means for me to get out of this commitment that I needed to make and this thing that I wanted to do. But I'm going to spiritualize it in such a way that you won't have the courage to say something back to me because I cloaked it in this language of God told me. You know, I, I think I don't know God that well, apparently, because whenever I try to adjust my plans and change my words, God always seems to give me a crystal clear memory of what I said. I don't know why that is. He, he reminds me of what, like with clarity, like it's like a, watching a movie where my mouth is like, I will. And then he throws a scripture in my brain that's like, yes, be yes, no, be no, and everything else is of the devil. Like it goes into my brain. And so he reminds me, puts a scripture in my place. And then his plan is typically how I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to swallow my pride and I'm going to live up to the vow that I made. That's my experience. But these hyper spiritual ones that apparently God's got extra time on his hands and talking to them clearly all day, every day is telling them to take the easy road. It's telling them to get out of what they committed to. That's telling them that they don't have to be a person of their word and that they can live contrary to the scriptures. When do I get that Holy Ghost? Because I get the, you ain't going to sleep till you fix this Holy Ghost. I'm getting the, you're getting on your knees and you're repenting Holy Ghost. I'm getting the, you're going to go to them and you're going to apologize and you're going to humble yourself Holy Ghost. Maybe it's just me. I never get that you're freed from this talk from God. I get that you made a vow, you better stick to it if you expect me to bless you type of talk from God. Is that what you get? Because here, here's, here's what I think. Maybe we can't keep our vows because we try to do it on our own strength instead of the Holy Spirit. See, I, I believe in the Bible and I believe what the Bible says in John 16, 13, Jesus talked about the Holy Ghost and he said, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Maybe you've got a lion problem because you ain't got the Holy Ghost. 
If you would rely more on the Holy Spirit and receive the Holy Spirit, you would be more in the truth. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Have you, have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How, how it's described in the book of Acts. They didn't go out talking about love and soup kitchens. They said repentance, confession, baptism in the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Receive the baptism and watch how your life changes because you get that conviction on the inside and your mouth goes, oh, I'm going to say that. I'm going to pull that thing back. If you find it easy to lie, man, I would question whether or not you got the Holy Ghost. Because when a lie comes across my lips, I try to break and try to break a vow. I am hammered by the spirit of truth. And I'll tell you, man, you can't do this on your own strength. You just can't. You can't. You will fail. It won't work. He, the, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He's the comforter, but he's also the spirit of truth. Proverbs twelve seventeen says, He who speaks truth declares righteousness, but a false witness deceit. I want to speak truth. And this is the last part of it. We do not forsake God's law and turn from him if we speak truth. We want to be truth tellers. That's who we want to be. Now, when I talk about being truth tellers, I'm not talking about being rude. Okay? Because some people are like, man, pastor said this sermon on speaking the truth. I just want to tell you, man, your breath stinks. It really does. And that shirt does not look good on you. It just doesn't. Just speaking the truth. I'm not talking about that. Like going around and hurting people's feelings is not being a truth teller. It's not at all. It's not believing a lie or allowing a lie to be told in your presence. It's just kind of speaking up and just being like, I don't think I agree with that. Why? Because the Bible doesn't teach that. What's the matter with this guy? See, in our house, and we've been this way uh, ever since we uh, were raising our kids, and if you have kids, I would encourage you to do this as well, is that a lot of parents want to teach their kids that, uh, that, that things are not their responsibility by giving them lies, right? So in this life, you're going to have bad bosses, bad things, whatever. So what happens is that a kid will have a bad teacher, and, and then the parent, instead of like training their kids to control the controllables and be able to overcome this bad teacher, they blame the teacher. We never did those types of things. Like if my kid didn't make the sports team, they'd, they'd be home crying and because I'm a, just this type of guy. Like, oh, why didn't I make the team? Because like, you didn't practice enough. Like, that's why you didn't make the team. Ah! <laughs> How are they going to learn? Like, what am I, what am I going to do? Am I, am I going to say, oh, it's just a bad coach. No, dude, I saw you playing video games and sleeping in instead of going outside doing drills all summer. So now you didn't make the team. Oh, I got, did bad on this test. Did you study? Because I saw you playing video games and sleeping in. and I, It's your fault. I'm going to lie to my kids and make them feel better. Oh, it's okay. It's a bad class. It's a bad teacher. It's that stupid clock's fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> no, dude, it's your fault. It's the only way you learn how to get through a life without being a liar. And I tell you, I tell you one thing. This isn't in my notes, but I love this story. You know, little Gabe. Gosh, I love that he, he ain't even here, but he was here first service. Dude, that kid will not tell a lie. My son, who's all kids are liars. When Gabe was super young, he told Crystal a lie, and I forget what it was for. And he was what four years old or something. He was four years old, and Crystal took out the Word of God and showed him how liars have their place in the lake of fire in the Book of Revelation. And 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 Gabe was like. And she was like flames and fire and death. He's like, this is what happens to liars. Do you want to be a liar? No. And so like his whole entire childhood, Gabe never lied about anything. You'd be like, Gabe, tell it. We we say in our house, we say, shame the devil and tell the truth. Shame the devil and tell the truth. And so Gabe, tell the truth. Did you? And he'd always, he'd close his eyes and he'd go, 
He's telling <laughs> he always told the truth, man. He did. And, and, and so because we trained him that way to not be a liar, when things would go sideways, he'd literally come up and he would confess things that we didn't even know about because it just burned him inside that he was holding deceit in his heart. He's just that kind of kid, man. He just is. Um, and don't say anything to him about it because he's not here. Like, her little story. He hates being an example. So let's be friends and just keep between you and I and the thousand people watching my life. <laughs> Ephesians, it's on YouTube. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And, and, and here's another part of lying. Don't blame the devil for the things that you that you did wrong. Oh man, the devil's really been coming against you. Yeah, coming against your clock and your schedule and your discipline, all those other things that you can control. You're, you're never going to have spiritual growth if you can't be honest with yourself and with other people. You say, what's your problem? Well, I haven't been doing this. What's your problem? I've been doing this and I'm just the author of my own destruction. I'm not blaming anybody else except myself. Now, when I'm talking about speaking truth, and this is this is the end of the road. I know we're getting around it, but I love you guys. I like talking. It's fun. Um, when I'm, when I'm talking about speaking truth, let, let's start with holding a biblical worldview. Yeah. Let's just start there, man. If we, if we can do that in all of our relationships, we'll get a lot farther. Is, is, it's the truth that absolute moral truths, truths exist. Yes. What does that mean? That means if your friend is getting a, an unbiblical divorce, you say, do you know what? I don't agree with that divorce. I'm not going to sign off with it and we're not going to be friends. And you say, why? Because I stand for truth. How am I going to live? Am I going to live this lie with you and pretend that all of a sudden, because, you know, you put it on Facebook that everybody else has forgotten. I didn't forget. I used to know you guys two together and this is unbiblical divorce. We're not friends. We're done. Absolute truth is divine by the Bible. Aren't you're kind of antiquated in your thoughts? Have you not progressed? You're not thinking? No, dude, because absolute truth is divine by the Bible. If the Bible says it's wrong, then I think it's wrong. The Bible says it's right. I think it's right. And I don't care what you think about me. I care about what God thinks about me. I believe Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. So that means I don't care if you watch some documentary. I don't care if it was on Netflix or whatever. Jesus wasn't gay and Jesus wasn't filled with sin and he didn't have a wife. It's just nonsense, man. There's no way that Jesus had a wife and lived a sinless life. It's impossible. Um, come on, that was funny. God is the all-powerful and all... Baby, I love you. Um, God is the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe. And he still rules it today. Salvation is a gift from God that cannot be earned. If someone's trying to teach you some sort of gospel that isn't based 100% in God's grace and what he did on the cross, run, man. Run. It's wrong. Satan is real. If somebody tries to give you some theology that says that hell isn't real and that we're all saved and hell's been destroyed, it's a lie. It's not true. You better be prepared to meet God or Satan. Make a choice. We have a responsibility to share our faith. People say, why are you sharing your faith with me at work? I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm bound by the word of God, man. I'm supposed to share my faith and I'm going to do it in love all the time. The Bible is accurate in all of its teachings. So that means if there's a if there's a balance between what the world teaches and what the Bible teaches, I'm going to lean on what the Bible teaches. Now, if people don't agree with it, it's fine. I'm going to stick with what the Bible says. I'm not going to change. Who I am today is who you're going to find me to be on my deathbed. It's just, I, I've, I've set, I've set my mind like a flint. I've given everything that I have to the word of God. I am not going to be swayed at all. Ephesians chapter four, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things to him who is the head Christ. Zechariah eight sixteen. These are the things you shall do. Speak each man the truth to his neighbor. Give judgment in your gates for truth, justice, and peace. 
And these are the lies that you hear about your kitchen table. These are the lies that you hear at work. These are the lies that you hear everywhere. And you just have to speak up and be like, yo, man, I'm not going to be that guy. Now, some of you may not appreciate my truthfulness this morning, and that's fine, because what I want to do is I want to be in a good standing towards God. In Proverbs 8, 7, it says, for my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is abomination to my lips. I don't want to be wicked. I don't want to speak against God's word. And, and you can be upset with what I've said, but you can't be upset with what the Bible said, because I'm speaking is what the Bible said. Amen. Here's the last verse, and then we'll get out of here. In Revelation 22:15, it says, but outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. I don't want to be with the sorcerers. I don't want to be with the dogs. I don't want to be with the sexual more. That's not where I want to live. I want to live in God's grace and mercy in his house. I want to be with him all the days of my life. And so if that means I got to lose friends and lose family and lose people who don't like to hear the truth, I'm totally, completely prepared for it. I'm fine with it. I'm going to live according to God's word. I encourage you to join me. Be a man of your word. Say what you're going to say. Mean what you're going to say. Don't make vows to God that you don't intend to keep. Doesn't go well for you. Speak truth. Don't tell people their breasts stink. Stand up for biblical truth. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. I want to invite you to become one. It's really quite easy. Either you're living for Jesus or you are not. You've given your life to Jesus or you haven't. If you've never made that decision, if you've never said, I'm ready to become a Christian, you don't have to be ready, but you just have to make the decision and say, I'm done living for the world. I'm done being in my sin. Because salvation is leaving sin and being saved from it. It's not uh, being saved from your sin without leaving it. So you you make a direction change. You say, man, I'm done living for myself. Now I'm going to live for Jesus. And at our church, we, we like to invite you to become part of God's family. And if you've never made that decision before, you've never stood up in a room and said, I am a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be forgiven of my sins. We want to give you an opportunity to do that. At our church, what we do is in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you want to become a Christian. And I'm going to ask you to come to the front and have somebody pray with you. And some people say, man, that's uh, that's difficult to walk to a room full of Christians. No, it's not. It's hard, but dude, people are going to rejoice with you because we, we want you to be part of God's family. And it's not superstition. Like you don't walk up and say yes, and then you go back and live your own life. Like it's a direction change. You say, man, I'm done with that life. I want to live the Jesus life. Because if you can't stand up in a room full of Christians and say you're going to follow them, you're going to go back into that world, you can go to work tomorrow, and they're going to chew you up. So if you'd like to be forgiven of your sins, if you'd like to become a Christian this morning, I invite you to raise your hand right now and say, that's me, I want to give my life to Jesus. I see your hand. I see that hand. I'd like to invite you, if you'd like to come up here, someone will pray with you. Yeah, dude, stand up here. Come up here. Someone will pray with you. Praise God. He's 15 years old. Courage. Bacon. Maybe you've been far from God. Maybe you've been far from God. You know the truth, man. You've been walking it years ago, but you've lost your way. You've lost your way. 
you need to rededicate your life to Jesus. If you need to rededicate your life to Jesus, I'd like to pray with you as well. So anybody that needs to rededicate their life to Jesus today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. You can come up. Yep, I'll pray for you after service. Pray for Joe afterwards. If you need to rededicate your life, you can raise your hand. If you need to rededicate your life. God's receiving you right now. He's receiving you right now into his kingdom. He loved you when you were his enemy. He loves you now even more so that he calls you son and daughter.